pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm. Welcome to One Life Left. Uh, this is our first show back of the season. Um, I'm Anne Scantlebury. And I'm Philip Waugh. And there's no Stee and no Simon here today. Thank goodness, um, otherwise thank I'd have left goodness, again. yeah. Well, so we've just come back from our, um, our summer break back in the residence studio for the first time in quite a long time. Um, and I thought, do you know what? Those guys, they look tired. I've seen yeah. them recently. They've just looked a bit tired. Falling asleep uh, on their feet. So I've given, them, uh, I've given them the week off. I said, don't worry, guys. I did this last year. I'll do an Anne Life Left. I'll take this one for you. Literally taking one for the team. Uh, so I've done that again. I put a call out on Twitter. I said, uh, hey, does, it, does anyone want to come and be on the show? I got an overwhelming response. Pip. Sorry, let me just introduce you. Hi, this is Pip, <laughs> Philippa War, game journalist, excellent human. Um, you're going to be co-presenting with me today. I am, it's exciting. Yeah. The studio is packed to bursting You right don't now. even have a seat. I don't have a seat. <laughs> Luckily, me standing is basically the same as me sitting down, well, so, you know. Well, but. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've got a packed studio today. We have six guests in with us. We have, I'm just going to go around the room, we have Anissa. Hi. Uh, we have Kate. Hello. Uh, we have Neve. Hello. We have Lana. Hi. Hannah. Hello. And Joe. Hello. Uh, and we're going to have to rejig some people around because there's not enough mics for everyone in here today. But let <coughs> me tell you, we are going to get through uh, a lot of interviews today as well. You're going to learn a lot, of, a lot about uh, my guests today. Um, so. Pip. Hello. I've yes. done a running order, which is I know we never do on the show. Uh, Organised. You shared me in with a Google Doc, and I was I like, know. in all the times that I've guested and co-presented, I've never, never. No. Um, so, uh, usually we start the show with a. So, what have you been up to this weekend? Mm. Are we going to be able to fit that in? Well, actually, do you know what's very smart? What. What I was up to this weekend was I was at Now Play This at <gasps> Somerset House. Me too. Were you? Did you have a lovely time? I did, actually. I did. Yeah, it was great. It was a, a, an event at Somerset House showcasing lots of games. There was lots of games art stuff there as well. Um, it was brilliant. Mm. I had such a good time. Decided to invite someone on that ran it, <laughs> which is smart, isn't it? Shall we start with her then? Let's start with her. Jo Perfect. Summers, hello. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm tired. I'm okay, though. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you're a bit, you're a bit knackered. Um, so, can you tell uh, listeners who maybe don't know what Now Play This uh, is, was? Can is, you tell them about hopefully that? Hopefully is, yes. So, Now Play This uh, was this weekend a, an event at Somerset House, as you've said, uh, featuring all kinds of... I'd say stuff on the kind of fringes of uh, interesting games and 
game art and stuff, but also as well as digital, including physical games uh, and sculptures and outside games and performance. And even just ideas for games stapled to the walls and things. That was pretty great. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Um, We had some 128 character games that people made on Twitter. Um, And yeah, all kinds of stuff. Lots of mazes. So, yeah, I had a great time. Uh, one of the first things I played when I got there, uh, so it was a physical game and it was a, a maze where one of you uh, tilts the maze uh, one way, one of you tilts it the other way to try and uh, navigate a ball around the maze to get it to the end without getting it in a load of holes. Yes, we had that. And um, the same guy did uh, the analogue pinball table oh, as well. Oh, that, that was, was gorgeous. Great. I loved that. Yeah, they were such beautiful objects as well. So it was really nice to have uh, the kind of artistic objects in that lovely space as well it was so fun to be at Somerset House just such a lovely venue so how did that come about how did that come about with Somerset House um so the curator was Holly Grattamo um and digital creator with uh, George Buckingham and uh, together they applied um for funding through Yuki and in association with Somerset House and got funding from a bit of funding from the Arts Council as well so through that put together um this event's kind of celebrating alternative games, London games, physical games in this wonderful space. And we hope that we can do something very, very similar um, early next year. Well, it, it seemed pretty popular. Do you know how, how well it was received, how many tickets you sold? Yeah, um, excitingly for programming nerds, we sold um, 1,028 tickets. So. <laughs> That's pretty good. And so, so do you know what kind of demographic you had? Like, who, who was it that was turning up to this? It was so we we kind of split it a little bit into themes. So the Friday was more focused for uh, games in development and playtesting, um, and so obviously that attracted people who were more of the development side of things. But then uh, for the Saturday and um, Sunday, we had uh, an alternative controller day, um, which um, attracted people that are kind of into that. You know building alternative controllers looking at that kind of thing um we had a more family orientated family trail around the house itself so it was quite a wide demographic throughout the weekend um, and you had some talks on as well didn't you um yeah we had we actually had some on wednesday last week as well so we had a game and poetry evening on wednesday and then we had a game and intimacy evening on friday as a kind of separate event but as part of the weekend yeah what was the game and intimacy event about I mean, obviously, it was about game. <laughs> I mean, I get that, but um, what sort? What did that what involve? What were the talks like? Yeah, um, the talks were lovely. Um, we had a few, quite a few people. We had Merrick Copas, um, Meg Jarnath, and um, Emily Short. Yeah, um, and they talked. Um, for, so, for example, Emily talked about private games which is games that she made for personal friends and games about their personal relationship so it was really really interesting seeing a lovely insight into people making these very like personal intimate games for other people yeah and we had uh last year merit um recorded a little section for this show uh and i've played a few of her games since then and they're amazing yeah so so good really really awesome it was really great um so can you uh, just go through like some of the games that people might have heard of that was so I played Hohokam, which I haven't I've seen mm. loads of places and I've never played it before. I sat down uh, and sat on some big like bean bags and played that for a while and it's just had a really lovely experience. It's it's quite um, hypnotic that game. Yeah, we. I'm trying to think. Um, Hohokam is one of my favourites as well, and it was really nice to be able to have it in a really kind of chilled out environment where people could just yeah grab a cushion and have a little play uh, and chill out. Um, we actually had some games commissioned specifically for the show. So we had a game um, called Oasis, which was commissioned from a, a French collective called Colondike, um, which was about. Um, it was inspired by his grandfather who. Um, lost his plane in Algeria um, and it was about what he thought happened to him and it was a very sort of out of world quite psychedelic experience of flying a plane around this beautiful landscape and we actually had someone uh, in helping who made some custom controllers for us as well so it was really nice you had a little plane on a joystick that you had to fly around so it was a really nice to kind of bring those things together Um, Um, so I I have flown a plane in my life <laughs> when I was 18. Wow, uh, yeah, I know. Let's not go into that. We don't, we don't have time to cover that oh, bit. Okay, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, we should start doing podcast extras. <laughs> uh, and 
And I remembered, I was really bad at flying a plane in real real life. I was really bad at flying this plane. So, <laughs> you know, it it definitely replicated the experience of flying a plane. And, Jewish Yeah, luckily I didn't um, fall to my death. Um, and there was uh, another game there that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, it was the one, like, the one that was in a tent. Oh, yes, yeah, so we had a couple of games in a, in a tent. We had it on rotation. So in the morning we were showing a game called Panoramical, yeah. um, which you might have heard of. Um, um, and then in the um, afternoon we were showing a game called Fluck um, and they were both around sort of controlling the environment controlling whether uh, Fluck especially you could turn the rain on and off and make it all go warped which was really cool um, but they were all so it was projected to the inside of a tent and we, again we had kind of cushions and carpet you know we, we wanted to be comfy and um, you controlled it by a MIDI controller so you could affect the environment by using uh, a MIDI controller sliders which was really really nice I saw someone um, a couple were in there uh, before I went in and they came out and he said I feel like a different person oh, wow. and that feels like such a good uh, a, a good way to describe how some of these games, uh, I think at gaming events that are put on live can affect you uh, because they're because they can be site specific. You know, you can give someone an all around experience that you might not get at home. Yeah, I think I personally felt like super privileged to be able to put something on in this space. And through that, you know, we, we've very carefully thought about how to frame some of these pieces. And we really wanted to feel like you were kind of going around a gallery, but then you had these kind of secret spaces you could get into to experience these um, these these games very differently than you might in another space. I mean, in in the end gallery, we had a, a sculpture commissioned, which was like a big giant piece of paper crumpled over um, some posts, but it made like a little den. Um, and it had little sandbags inside you could sit on. And we put a library with lots of interesting game theory books and I kept going around and everyone had little torches and they were sitting there with their books like reading in this little den and it was so nice to just come into a big grand room but have all these people like nestled mm-hmm. together like reading these books together it was just it was really nice to be able to create those spaces so you had your takedown today uh, <laughs> yeah. what have you got lined up next um so as I said uh, now play this hope to do something um early-ish next year um, I am personally running something in Brighton as part of the Brighton Digital Festival in a couple of weeks, actually, um, 18th of September. Um, and that's going to be a slightly more raucous uh, party with some chip tunes and uh, fun multiplayer games. Again, hopefully like accessible to lots of people. Um, and then over the weekend, it will be kind of a mini conference and an open arcade that anyone can come in for free and just try out games that I think are cool, interesting. Cool. Um, so where can people find out about that event and about, uh, well, how can people follow you? Um, so I'm Profanity on Twitter with an eye on the end. The best way to find out about um, the event in a couple of weeks is uh, my website's pressfiretowin.com, which is quite easy to remember. So if you go there, all the information's on there. Awesome. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Let's have some music now. So this is Love is Inscurable, uh, the DJ Boosh remix. 
from Chibi Tech. And uh, this is obviously Chiptune. You might not. Maybe you know about it, maybe you don't. Uh, we'll be talking to um, a Chiptune artist later, so you'll learn a bit about, more about it there. Uh, you can find more of Chibi Tech's music at chibitech.bandcamp.com. Uh, but for now, I'm going to bring this right down and chat to uh, Anissa Sanusi. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, so you are a 2D and UI artist. Yes, I am. And you're working at Frontier Development. Yeah, it's in Cambridge, and we're currently working on Planet Coaster. I'm actually going to ask if... Can you just go over to that mic over there? Because I think your one might not be working. I don't want to hear everything you say. <laughs> um... Hi. Hi, there we go. That's a little bit better. Right, no problem. Good. Uh, so, yeah, sorry. You, so you're at um, Frontier. Um, how long have you been there? Um, should be two years this November, and it's been a really good time so far. Yeah, so how did you get into that? How did you... What happened? Um, right, I studied animation in university, and uh, my first games job needed someone to do uh, vector art. And my skill set was transferable at the, at the time. And I kind of just fell into UI and uh, Cambridge uh, Frontier. They had an opening for, for a position and I went for it. Awesome. And I've been happy ever since. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's a very good, uh, that's, you know, very good job satisfaction. Um, so what games have you been working on whilst you've been at Frontier? Uh, right. So our current big names are Elite Dangerous and Planet Coaster. Uh, Elite Dangerous has been out for a while now. Uh, we've got season two coming up at some point. Uh, and Planet Coaster should be releasing sometime next year, hopefully. Um, we've been in development for a while. We, as a company, we did Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 about 10 years ago, and it was some a few people's like favorite games. And there's there's a gap in the market for uh, theme park simulation games, so I think it's a good time for us to come back with a much better, new and improved version um, yeah. called Planet Coaster. Um, so, uh, so. Uh, so what? So you do uh, UI there. What does that? So what does that involve? Uh, right. So I do uh, user UI stands for user interface, and for a simulation game like um, Planet Coaster or Roller Coaster Tycoon, it's very UI heavy, where it's all the menus and the interactive things that you see on screen. Like you have to sort out all your coasters and all and the different bits of them for yeah. actually assembling and find out where everything is and yes. all the systems. And it's basically <laughs> management you're managing a whole theme park and um it's a it's a really good simulation game really um yeah we're trying to make it as user friendly as possible um because our aim of these games is that you go in and then you just make uh, a coaster or a theme park um to your heart's content and not think about how you're doing it you're just doing it so if you had to go to a lot of theme parks as research, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, <laughs> we we actually go through many many uh, rides and just kind of it, it, we we say it's research, but, you know. <laughs> because um, just generally like uh, roller coaster design is pretty amazing. It's like how how to make a person feel a thing, uh, yeah. and then I guess in in the game you're trying to make a person feel a thing in making people feel a thing. So, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to uh, encapsulate like a whole experience but through a screen. It's so it's so intriguing and so exciting. Um we're trying our best uh, definitely. Um well, in in terms of of UI is that we're trying we're hoping that people don't notice it because with UI, if you notice it, then you're not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to um, bring in another guest, Kate Killick. Uh, you also work in UI and UX. Um, yeah, so at the moment I'm focused mainly on UX, which is user experience, um, but I'm working at a company called Hopster. And the great thing about working at small teams and startups that I found is that you really get to sort of pitch in with a lot of different things. So... I'm doing at the moment UX. I'm doing a little bit of graphic design illustration alongside that. Uh, can you uh, chat about Hopster for a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, Hopster, we make an app for two to six-year-olds primarily. Uh, it's available on the App Store, like cross-platform and on Android as well. And the idea is that it's sort of educational and entertainment through the shows that they love. So they can watch um, a lot of their favorite shows. Like we have big names on there. We have like Bob the Builder and... Ben and Holly and stuff that's really popular as well as some like nostalgic 
things like Postman Pat and Pingu's on there. Um, have you got Rainbow? I'm not sure. We have I we have check. like a hundred shows. <laughs> I will check. Um, but also, it gives them like interactive experiences that kind of tie into those shows, so they can learn. You know, they can learn like the basic sort of alphabet and numbers that that is part of the like most important development at that that stage. Um, yeah, so we do games, we do shows tied into that. And you, uh, before you were there, you had your own your own studio. Yeah, so um, a couple of years ago, I was working at my own studio called Angry Mango, and we made a game on the Windows phone called Mush, which started out at Dare to Be Digital, and then uh, we released it through Xbox Live Windows phone. Um, yeah, and although that wasn't originally aimed aimed at children, uh, one of the great things was showcasing uh, at like Proto Play and at Game City as well, and watching a lot of like kids come up with their families and really get engaged with it and like seeing the smiles on their faces was probably like the best reward of that so it's pretty i find it quite interesting to um think so obviously you're making your games for children and for uh, like younger people and the best way that you can test these is obviously on children yeah, and younger yeah. people um and that will happen uh, best at like game events so the kind of thing that uh like joe might run so obviously you were talking about game city and that's such a great place uh, such an open place for literally anyone to come and try stuff out and it's really good if you have event really organizers well. yeah and yeah. if there are event organizers there that um are really open to games not you know maybe not being super polished um then i think you can learn a lot from an audience just coming and playing it and not necessarily being like um particularly game focused they just yeah, want to definitely. have fun and as well i mean it's it's great to have them in that kind of environment where they're quite relaxed and with, with their family and they're just having like a nice day out that's that's what i really like about game city yeah um, and then you just get the sort of natural reaction they don't feel too compelled to like you know they have to say something so they're sort of trying to give you feedback or you know they're a bit too shy you just get that sort of instant reaction um so i just sort of uh i've brought you both in together mm-hmm. Uh, because you do quite similar things, but obviously you do them for for pretty different demographics. And I just wanted to see, um, you know, if you could maybe say anything about how uh, how you how you approach games differently that have um, different demographics that you're making them for. Uh, yeah, well, for our games, definitely we're targeting uh, an older age range, and uh, we do. We hope to do more user testing, as you said, like uh, when you kind of observe them while mm-hmm. they're playing, that's like the most valuable feedback you can get. Because when you're making a game, you're so attached to it and you see it every day, you don't know how it is to a fresh pair of eyes. So it's always great to, um, we love events, like Frontier is always going off to events and showing off our games and such. And then we just love seeing how people interact with our games because every player plays them uh, differently, you know? So it's, it's good that we could uh, kind of cater the game to every different type of player, but without forcing them to play one way or another, you know. So that's the whole freedom aspect of it is what we're trying to go for. Yeah. yeah. And Kate, is there um, anything that you found, like because obviously the games that you uh, are making are hoping to help children learn uh, you're trying to teach them things does that have an imp- impact on your work yeah definitely i mean one of the tough things about something like hopster is that you know you've got to you've got to delight the kids and everything has to be kid friendly for that age so it has to be usable but also you have to be careful with like any in-app purchases or advertising or anything like that not, not that we have adverts in <laughs> um, but then of course you also need to engage the parents so you're always trying to target these two two different levels um, and there's there's a lot of usability sort of implications for small kids. They obviously, I mean, it's interesting at the moment because there's kids growing up with iPads from from like two, and they can they can use a touch screen. And you know, I think of myself and people our age as kind of digital natives, but this is like a whole another ball game again. So um, it's, it is it's so different thinking that well, actually teaching a child something is you don't really have to teach them all that much compared to, you know, people who haven't been around this technology so long. It's not as intuitive to them, maybe. Yeah, I mean, so with, with like, doing something educational as well, you kind of, even with young children, you have to disguise it a little bit. Like, they they don't want to feel like they're being educated. Um, They they just want to be entertained, so... So you feed them loads of sugar. (laughs) (laughs) So the difficulty is, I guess, getting that balance. Like, it needs to be really fun for them and really bright and entertaining, but... At the same time, 
you know, you have to make sure that, that you're giving them those basic building blocks for them to go on and learn. Yeah. It's like um, chocolate covered broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. That sounds horrific. <laughs> um, so, okay, are you doing, uh, are you going to be doing any of your own games? Any, are you going to be working on any of your other stuff? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to sort of get myself through learning more Unity at the moment. So I started a very silly project um, for Ludum Dare, which actually I, I didn't even manage to submit. Um, but... At the moment, I'm just I'm just trying to do a lot of different prototyping because um, I see so many people doing really interesting things, and yeah, I, I want, sort of want to become part of the community, and especially in London, of people like prototyping interesting games, and yeah, just see what I can come up come up with. Cool. And um, how can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Marble Kitty Cat. Nice. <laughs> uh, and Anissa, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Studio Anissa. Perfect. Uh, and actually, I saw um, if you search for you, which, by the way, I did to all of you. Um, I know your Google histories. Um, you have a really nice, uh, you've made like a video of some of your work. Ah, uh, yeah, oh, Like a showreel. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. Um, I do have a UI showreel on my Vimeo, which is also Studio Anisa. Um, really, that's all my uh, social media handles are the same. So if you Google me, you'll find it all. <laughs> yeah, if you're cool. interested in a little bit of UI, go ahead and look it up. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Uh, well, now I'm going to uh, throw over to a guest that unfortunately wasn't able to make it into the studio, but has kindly recorded us um, a little something. And this is Katie Good, and she's going to tell us what she's up to. Hello, I'm Katie Good, and I'm creative director of Triangular Pixels. I'm currently working on a game called Smash It Plunder, where the idea of the game is to run around the dungeon, smashing a place up, looking for treasure. I've been in the games industry now since 2008, after studying physics and space research at University of Birmingham. I mainly focus on design, and I really love the sort of problem solving and the sort of engineering side. Uh, as well as the creativity and mixing that all together and out popping a design, hopefully. Uh, I love doing game jams and I short little projects which are quirky and fun and I'm always willing to try and experiment and try and see something interesting that we can do. I'm having to dive straight into a bit of a game development at the moment and I'm really quite enjoying sort of trying out new things and exploring my skills and seeing what I can really get on with. Um, so I do love a bit of scripting, uh, but now I'm having to do a lot more modelling and texture work, lots of pixel art, and I find it really enjoyable, um, especially pixel art, as it seems to be, again, a very problem-solving type of creativity. It's great fun. What I really hope for the future is for a stable job, as it were, um, so keeping the studio afloat, and making sure that a team can stay employed uh, and making sure, yeah, it'd be great to have a success of some sorts, but just keeping going would be brilliant. Um, and as long as people enjoy our games, then I'm pretty happy. listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We have a special show this week. We are talking to a panel of incredible women working in games. Um, and right now you're listening to Chipsel. You may know this song if you've ever played um, Super Hexagon. 
I actually feel stressed right now <laughs> yeah, I because I feel like I should be on a commute playing, you know, <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, so, luckily we have Chipsville in the studio with us. Neve, hi. Hello. Hi. How do you feel about making people feel super stressed? Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. I get so much enjoyment from it. It's like the number one comment that I get. Everybody's just like, I'm just so stressed every time I listen to it. So. It's good. I mean, good feeling. Yeah, it is, it's, it's great, right? This is taking me back. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're just nostalgic right now. You're yeah. just like nostalgic for, I don't know, what, 20 minutes ago? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, hello. You're a chiptune artist. I am, indeed. Uh, you're not a DJ. We were chatting upstairs, and you've been introduced uh, a bit recently as a DJ. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of... It's not so much that it's an issue, it's just that it's sort of become a running joke. Um, <laughs> I know that uh, there was a another chiptune artist called Folk Instructor who was playing at Twitch, and he was featured in the Snapchat... Uh, Twitch, and they called him DJ Game Boy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Seems to be a running thing. Uh, so, well, we do have quite a long history of uh, playing chiptune music on One Life Left. We've been playing it for such a long time. We get a lot of our stuff and actually more music that I'll play later in the show from uh, chipmusic.org and um, we have done little projects with chip music as well. Um, we awesome. really love it. And uh, Steve, who is also presented on the show, um, you've obviously worked on his game recently as well. So um, can you explain to anyone who maybe doesn't know what chip music is, what is it? Um, so chip music is basically music that's composed using old computers or retro consoles. So my choice is a Game Boy. Uh, some people use Commodore 64s or Ataris or Sega Master Systems, you know, what have you. Um, and it's essentially a form of hacking. Uh, you sort of work with the uh, sound chip within these pieces of hardware to create music. So it's sort of like the, the earliest versions of music, uh, electronic music production. So you're, um, so you're an artist, you play live as well? Yeah. Um, what kind of gigs do you do? Uh, I've done lots of odd gigs. I've played, like, you know, some of my first gigs I was playing to, like, you know, the people I invited. <laughs> um, I've played shows to, like, you know, maybe up to about a th- uh, 2,000 people at most. Um, I think, were you DJing the um, the Wild Rumpus on a Boat? Yes. Oh I was my god, say, so I good. think that's when I first met you. It was yeah. just really great, but it was also, like, the weirdest surroundings and, like... It was, like, a massive, like, health and safety... <laughs> as well I think but just because it was just on the water that we kind of got away with a lot of stuff yeah. there because there was alcohol served and very small staircases that went down very long so. oh dear you didn't hurt yourself though did you no not, not that time <laughs> no thank goodness um, so you uh, you compose you play gigs um, but you also do a lot of uh, music for games as well yeah um, thanks to Gary Kavanagh and Super Hexagon um, I managed to have a nice little gateway into games and uh since then, I've done. Uh, I've been featured in a few games. Um, Size Does Matter, which was made by Team DOS, which was another Derby Digital um, game. Uh, Adventure Time, Secrets of the Nameless Kingdom, which was pretty cool. Um, and uh, Interstellaria and Spectra, which is a racing game that um, used my album Spectra as the soundtrack. That's <laughs> so, pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm gonna. T- I'm. I'm gonna talk about him now. Yes. So you've also worked uh, on Chime Sharp. Yes, of course. With Steve. Uh, so um, how did that come about and how, and how was it? Um, so I actually met Steve, where did I meet him? In Berlin, I believe. And uh, yeah, we were having uh, dinner as a group and he was just talking about how he was um, going to be doing Chime 2. Uh, I'd already heard of Chime because uh, Sabre Pulse, who is another chiptune artist, was in the first one. Um, and so he asked if I would be, like to be involved and I was like all over that. So uh, yeah, I met up with him and um, I already had like a sort of work in progress track that I was working on. And he said that he wanted something that was very sort of progressive, um, wasn't too uh, invasive and just sort of came together nicely at the end sort of thing and I already had something like that in mind so I sent it to him and he said yeah it was good so cool um, how does it how uh, does your process differ when you're making music for yourself versus when you're making music for a game um, it's actually really different and I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I do because it's sort of, it's, it's, it's more challenging and it sort of pushes you out of your comfort zone because you're trying to, uh, work within someone else's vision rather than just go with whatever feels natural. Um, 
and I guess where I noticed that most was for Interstellaria uh, because I completely left the Game Boy because it was a space exploration game and everything had to be really nice and ambient and dreamy and slow and not too much going on and that's not really my style uh, so yeah I decided that I would uh, do some more ambience as well as the, some of the high energy stuff um, but it was interesting because I was getting some really cool uh, weird requests of like uh, can you make this one like Russian and sort of like <laughs> a little bit like Mega Man but like not really and <laughs> so I was like Russian Mega Man okay so I was sitting watching like uh, YouTube videos of like Soviet marches for hours on end going crazy there's no um, there's no just button you can hit that just makes it Russian, bit, Russian, no, bit like Mega Man. <laughs> so, like, and my thing is that I, I don't actually know music theory, so I had to just sit and listen. And I was like, okay, and then I was trying to figure out like chord structures and. But it's cool, you know. It's it's a whole new thing to me, so I, I really enjoyed it. So, how did you get into making? If you don't have a um, a music theory background, how did you get into this? Um, so I actually just picked up the Game Boy when I was uh, 15, and then I was playing my first shows when I was 16, so it was only like six months after I started playing about with it. And then from there, it just kind of went a bit crazy. The first um, show I did abroad was this festival in uh, Sweden called Control Alt Dance, um, and it was really cool. There was just like this field of like really drunk people just having a really good time, and it was a disaster. Like The speaker system blew up, and... <laughs> There was a huge thunderstorm and everybody's tents joined and it was, yeah, it was great, but completely nuts. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of taken me to lots of places since. Uh, so do you have plans for the future? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so so like, where do you see yourself? <laughs> yes. in, a, in a mansion in the hills. <laughs> no, not really. Um, I am currently working on my next album. Um, which I'm really looking forward to because it's been a long time since I released uh, something for myself. Uh, and I'm really interested in sort of um, merging together everything that I've learned. Because uh, Interstellar, I took two years and I put all of my being into it um, because it was something completely new to me. And uh, yeah, so I'd like to take sort of elements of that and take elements of my old style and see what comes of it. And do, sorry, did you have a? Do you know when that's going to be coming out? No idea. No idea. I would like to set a date, but I would just freak out. Yeah, <laughs> let it happen. Yeah, you've got to let this music happen. Um, and yeah, do you? Are there any other games you're going to be working on soon? Um, there are some things being talked about, but nothing confirmed, and nothing I can actually speak about. But um, I think that there's some work in 2016 that's going to be happening. That's awesome. Um, um, obviously, we're super influential here. Um, yes. So, is there any? Are there any games that you would love to work on that, you know, mm. just put a little shout out. We oh. can sort that out for you. <laughs> well, um, I'm absolutely dying to get my hands on No Man's Sky. Oh, and yeah. if I could just push 65 days of static to the side <laughs> and take over, I would love to. Um, but I love their music, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the soundtrack for that as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anything, I love that, that style. If there was yeah. something done in that style, like I'd be all over that. Amazing. Um, so where can people follow you and find out about your music? If, maybe if they want to listen to more of it, buy more of your music. <laughs> um, my website is chipsel.co.uk and you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Chipsel. Uh, I, I, and I have a Wikipedia page now, which is exciting. So Amazing. you can find me there too. <laughs> All the best people have a Wikipedia page. This is oh, only I recently, do. like last week, and I, was, I told Twitter automatically. I was like, guys, it happened. That's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs>
You are listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh, you just caught me having a little producer chat with myself, telling myself how well this is going. <laughs> and then the music ran out. Uh, so maybe not quite as well as I thought. Um, hello, Hannah. Hello, Anne. Hi, Hannah Flynn. Um, so you've been in this studio before. I have, and I was on the desk in GDC as well. You were. I wasn't out there, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, you're a veteran of this. Oh, yeah. I almost don't need to ask you any questions. It's like my fifth rodeo. <laughs> but I'm gonna. Uh, so you work for Fail Better Games. I do. Uh, what were you on talking about with us last time? It was in February, the launch of Sunless Sea. Yeah. How did that go? Very well, thank you. Um, we have sold about 175,000 copies of Sunless Sea yeah. in the last seven months. We have just uh, done a big story update last week, so the game's still being added to. Uh, community support is really amazing, um, and we're just, yeah, really tough with it. Thank God. Fingers crossed for the next one. <laughs> so uh, you just sent me an email the other day telling me about the next one. Well, the current one, really. Well, it's not ours, the one that we were talking about. It's actually, um, we, we're we just about at the right kind of size that we can have incubations in our office now. Mm. Um, so, What does that mean? I d- like, you said that, and I was like, oh, that sounds really lovely. Like, maybe a baby? <laughs> maybe you're growing some his eggs? His name's Harry. <laughs> he hasn't hatched yet. Um, his name is really Harry. He, uh, <laughs> we went to develop, had a wicked time, had a stand at develop in conference in Brighton this year, and we met a load of people including this lad, Harry, chap, Harry, who has a game uh, which we just fell in love with straight away called A House of Many Doors. And because we have a nice office pad and really uh, nice. some nice space it's in and Greenwich, views, isn't it? Greenwich, it's yeah. lovely. You can Great see views. You can see people water. getting terrified of the wind on the top of the O2 when they walk up. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic sport watching them when you're making your tea. Um, so we have the space and the resources. And, you know, we, we've been through the radio a few times now and we've released a, a pretty successful game. Um, so we thought pay it forward, get people into the office to incubate with us. Um, so Harry comes in one day a week. His game is House of Many Doors. It's an exploration RPG. And last week he launched it on Kickstarter and it was funded in two days, less than two That's days. That's amazing. Because <laughs> that can be a amazing. stressful time. Oh, and bless him, the picture I took of him just before he pressed the button was like pure oh. half terror, half just overjoyed. Um, <laughs> and he didn't, I don't think he's slept for a week. And it's really exciting having someone in the office doing that because it's been a while since our Kickstarter. It'll be a while since we do another thing like that, another big launch. So, because so, I'm usually in communication land I was just like yes next to press the button <laughs> really exciting um, yeah. and he's managed to get funded in less than two days it was an incredible effort what's the relationship like between you guys and between Harry so you know is he kind of working on his own thing but then coming over and saying hey you guys I've got this weird problem like hmm. any yeah. ideas or is it Basically more of a that. kind of I've made amazing coffee. Do you want one? Or, like, you know, it's like, very, what's the interaction? We have a really family-style situation anyway at Valbetta. We're very relaxed and it's all very equal and flat and everybody has a say. So, And we have, we've had a load of interns in over the summer as well, which has been fantastic, including two 14-year-old girl interns who wanted to be programmers. Amazing. Um, so we just have a really open, chatty structure anyway, which is great. And he's able to come to me and be like, marketing, what is? How, how do? <laughs> which is amazing because, you know, not a lot of places have a marketer on hand and certainly not if you're a one-person coder person in your bedroom mm. making a game. Um, so I was really proud to be able to help him. So what would be, if you could say if someone was listening, they're like, no, really, but marketing what? How <laughs> do, marketing what? How do? How do? Uh, what would um, you, what, you know, what couple of pointers would you give them? Oh, like a couple of top, top tips. Uh, think of marketing as being enthusiastic for a living. If you build it, it doesn't mean that people will come. So you have to put aside everything that you, you, you're worried that people aren't going to like it or they're going to they're think you're blowing your own trumpet. If you're making something by yourself, talk about it all the time, every day, and say how good it is and be proud of that because it's really hard to get over that hurdle of like, yes, I make a good game, I can. Um, so, And even my guys, um, Paul and Alexis, who founded the company, are still sometimes a bit too modest about how amazing they are at making art and making words. Um, make the most of all the free tools that you can get your hands on, uh, including things like social media management tools, because a lot of people don't realise that they exist. And Paul Harry was flicking between different tabs of Twitter, and I was like, let me tell you from Hootsuite. Um, and, it, yeah, or, you know, reach out and talk to marketers on Twitter. There are... There are a handful of games marketers out there who are just full of this kind of knowledge, and um, it says right in my profile, search for me, games marketing. So, um, so uh, what what is Fail Better doing next, then? We have 
uh, Sunless Sea we're supporting. Um, we are doing, we're working right now on the first piece of DLC for Sunless Sea, which is going to be fairly chunky. It's called Submariner, and it's an entirely separate part of the game in which you will zail a submarine below the things. And if you can imagine how awful the things were you saw on top of the ocean, they're going to be even more awful underneath the ocean. We've retained a staff paleontologist to help us figure out how awful exactly they could be. Um, and the next thing that's coming out from us is Fallen London on mobile, which will come out this year. Um, and s- sort of a little bit separate from your job, I just want to know a little bit about because you were just saying that there, you know, there are some game marketers out there, mm. um, but there's not loads. How did you get? How did you get into this? I have always played games and loved them, and I've always worked in marketing. And it came to a point where I wanted to be doing the two things at the same time. Um, but because I'm in marketing, my skills are completely transferable from industry to industry. I've actually worked in publishing, museums and galleries, charity, and now games. Um, and it's just it, it's something that's really easy to transfer, providing you're flexible to your audience and you know your craft really well. You just plug your skills in and hopefully get good stuff out the other end. And ha- have you found the games industry has differed in any major ways? Um, Yes, in that when I arrived, all of my colleagues were men. Mm-hmm. And in every other job I've ever had, all of my colleagues have been women. Uh, ch- children's books, charity, that, it's all just ladies. Um, although my last three bosses have all been called Alex. So that works out. <laughs> I seem to just follow Alex's around. Um, it's a lot more informal and it's um, a lot more friendly and not friendly, friendlier than charities. That's, that's not possible. Um, but it's a lot less stratified and there's a lot less kind of rigid structure in place. The places that I've worked previously have been massive and very hierarchical. Um, and this is just much more of a chill situation. And I have loads of autonomy so I can do weird stuff. We just hired someone who happens to be a jewellery designer. So we just did a range of Fall in London jewellery. Why not? And you can win it as part of a prize package for a competition that we're doing because I could. And that's fantastic. <laughs> um, so, I mean, is, do you have any projects outside of work that you do? Funnily enough, just the other week I started writing a game for the second time. I did an interactive fiction piece for Tate Gallery a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not my wheelhouse, I'm not very good at it. Uh, but talking about M. Short's experience of writing games for intimate purposes for giving to friends um i recently lost a friend and i was writing a game about the experiences i had of being his friend which has been really nice it's not finished um but i'm really desperately afraid of getting my colleagues to try it Mm. um which is this whole thing of like if you think it's good finish it and get people to try it and shout about it and share it so watch out i might i may yet finish it well, um, good luck with that. How can people uh, keep up with you and also with Failbetter? Failbetter is at Failbetter Games pretty much everywhere it counts. We're on Tumblr. I run the Tumblr and the Twitter, so if you get any <laughs> witty responses, you can thank me. Um, and I am at Hanchan, H4NCHAN on Twitter. Awesome, thank you. been listening to Torriningen uh, by Fora Broken Earth and earlier you heard uh, Bright Stars by Bus Blanchy and both of those were found on chiptune.org where we find a lot of our uh, music that we play on the show and hopefully we'll be 
play more of that next week when we are back, but I will be talking about that a little bit more towards the end of the show. But for now, we're introducing our sixth and final guest, because why have one when you can have six? Um, <laughs> hello, Lana. Hello. Hi, Lana Zgombich. Well done. Thank you. That's actually excellent pronunciation. Thank you very much. Uh, so you uh, work at Chilled Mouse. Yes. Well, this is a surprise. What a coincidence having uh, two people who have both been working on Chime Shop. Yes, um, so can you uh, tell me a little bit about what you do at Chilled Mouse? Well, uh, I'm a producer at Chilled Mouse and we're a small publisher. So um, my role consists of many, many things, including community management, uh, also a little bit of marketing. Um, I'm also sort of an artist on Chime Sharp as well. I'm doing the color palettes for all the backgrounds, which is quite exciting as well. Um, just talking to people, uh, I make sure that everyone knows what they're doing and I answer a lot of emails. It's a never-ending battle with emails and making sure Stee comes <laughs> to our office and um, helps us out. Well, that can be a job in itself. Um, so, is your mouse quite a small yes. studio? Yeah, we, we're only... Uh, we launched in December, so we're 10 months old, and also, coincidentally, I'm, I've been in the industry for 10 months as well, so I started when Chilled Mouse started. They needed someone to help them out, and I was just fresh out of university, so I was there to help them. So what did you do at university? I studied computer character animation. Cool. At uh, TSAD University. Uh, and so you came straight out of university, straight into a super good job. <laughs> yes, I'm very, very fortunate I got it and I'm so happy in the industry. It's incredible. And do you find that working at somewhere that is slightly smaller, you, it's uh, the impression that I get is that it's very hands-on and you sort of end up doing a bit of everything because you have to. Yes, that, that is very true. There's only three of us, so my two bosses and myself, and um, I, I do a lot. And I'm learning so much. I've, I think I've covered pretty much everything that you could in such a short, short space of time. And I, I can't wait to just keep doing it. Uh, so how is it going with Chime? Obviously, uh, you had the Kickstarter. We did, yes. We were funded in 36 hours. Amazing. And it was fantastic. Um, and yeah, so now it's fully funded and you've been um, putting out um, levels and stuff. Yes, we were giving out... Um, we, we promised the uh, Kickstarters to give them a three-level version of Chime, so which we did, and uh, they're enjoying it, and they're constantly communicating with us over our forums. And you can join the public forum for Chime Sharp and Google, Google Groups as well, if you want. And it, it's been insanely amazing. So how is it actually having that much uh, feedback, like that immediate feedback from people about a game, and they have an investment in it? Like, people are learning more and more about Kickstarter the more that people do it. But that just seems to me like, oh my goodness, you are getting your feedback right there. And people want it to be how they how they think. They want their feedback to be heard because they've put money in. And we want them to give us feedback. <laughs> we really want to make chime with the fans and having them uh, communicate with us on forums and reply to us on Kickstarter was very beneficial. For example, we got a lot of, a lot of people coming to us saying, can you make it um, compatible with colorblindness? Which... Mm. We, we didn't even think about it, but now that they mentioned it, of course we will we will do everything we can. So we had a guy um, on the show uh, at the end of last season who was talking about accessibility in games, and it's a really interesting issue because until you think of it, you don't think of exactly. it. If it's not something that affects you or people that you know, you you might not think about it. So it's like it's super important to consider stuff like colorblindness or you know. Um, uh, how you might use the controller and, you know, how yes, you might definitely. be able to change those kinds of things. Um, so what else have you worked on at Chilled Mouse? Uh, my first game, I worked on Warhammer Quest. Oh, we yeah. worked with Rodeo, ga Rodeo Games and we ported it from iOS to uh, Steam. And then we ported it also to Android. And there's also Android TV and Amazon TV. So we, I think we covered everything. And um, now we're looking to um, just finishing Chime. Yeah. But... Um, after Warhammer Quest and Chime Sharp, we are also currently working on another game, which is going to be an RPG. Okay. It's also very exciting. Can you say anything else about it? It'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, uh, can you tell us what colour it is? What colour? <laughs> yeah. Mm, I'm thinking black, red. Ooh. It'll be dark. 
<laughs> that's a pretty good tagline It'll be dark. <laughs> um and what about you do you do anything uh outside of uh chilled mouse i come home and i sleep and i go back to work <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a totally legit answer but i'm i'm looking into learning unity oh amazing so um i will be conquering that so i know i can understand better how games work since i cover since i finished animation i know modeling rigging uh, animation itself and concept art but i never covered programming so i'm looking forward to just learning that yeah it feels like something that you can put your hand in and just have a go at it you know if you don't have if there's no one who is uh you're not making a game for anyone else if that's something that you're sort of like doing by yourself that's it's really exciting because the tools are there and you can use them and but also knowing that that's what people use to make massive games amazing games that is true especially since unity 5 is free yeah and there's a lot of tutorials so i'm looking forward to just finally getting my hands on that (laughs) um so yeah, you just you said that you uh, came out of university and went straight into this job. Um, do you have any advice for people who maybe are at university at the minute? Um, you know about moving on from there and getting work. Yes, absolutely. Just network, network. Go to festivals. Go to as many festivals as you can. Meet people. Become friends with them. Just uh, broaden your knowledge. Especially work on your portfolio. Make sure it's good. It's presentable. Ask for your tutors for advice. How to make it much better and just go for it and keep applying never give up i know it's really tough when you get a lot of no's but the perfect job is waiting for you you just need to want it you need to be enthusiastic and it will work out for you cool uh well is there uh, a way that people can follow you and can follow chilled mouse yes uh i am at atlanas gombich which is z-g-o-m-b-i-c <laughs> <laughs> I, I really need to shorten that and chilled mouth is is at chilled mouse and chime game uh, chime sharp is at chime game and we also have an indiegogo running as a slacker backer campaign so please go on bitly.com slash gogo chime and please help us fund chime flat which is a uh, <laughs> an 8-bit version of Chime, which will be a standalone version, and will feature a whole chip tune uh, track, and everything will be retro and in 8-bit. Amazing, thank you. So this is Wildfire by Clam, uh, again from chiptune.org. Uh, I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to all of my guests on the show. Thank you for, uh, I reached out on Twitter to people and you all got in touch. Um, you're excellent people. Uh, uh, yeah, this has been a really fun show. Um, unfortunately, next week I'm back with Steen Simon. <laughs> We're doing... Okay, we've proved that, or you've proved that you can do more than one of these, so it's a yes. series. It's technically a franchise now. We're a franchise. Let's do this, Pip. A franchise. <laughs> I am Come all on. about the puns. This will be known as <laughs> And Life Left 2. Um, one Life Left will be back next week at 7pm on this Resonance 104.4 FM. It's Resonance FM uh, on the internet um, you, if you want to get in touch with us uh, before the show next week and please do send us uh, emails letters, whatever uh, to team at onelifeleft.com um, yeah, I, I don't know who I don't know who we've got on as a guest next week I, I'd like to see Simon top this should we just say anyone really, <laughs> let's, let's shoot for the stars let's yeah. get um, Hillary Clinton she's, Hil- yeah, we, yeah. she's got a new game out, it's fine I don't know. that would be excellent uh, yeah. uh, maybe they should be doing a, um, a presidential race game Yes, that'd be super good. Racing cars. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, that's Maybe they should have that for the next Ludum Dare. You know? Yeah, <laughs> the presidential race. Let's uh, let's set that Just, as the theme. Yeah, 
It's like the challenge has now been issued. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, we'll be putting this show out as a podcast uh, on Wednesday and uh, that will include links to everybody's website, Twitters, uh, particularly to Chipsall's um, music that you can buy. <laughs> with money yeah um yeah i just uh, again i just want to say thank you so much to everybody i'm super looking forward to uh all of your future projects yeah. um and thank you to pip for being my Aww. literally my right hand woman no worries it's always fun i always like coming here um yes so uh we have been and life left and one life left we'll be back next week 